Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport on the eve of the conclusion. In fact, not the eve, the eve means the night before, doesn't it? It's the evening after the conclusion of uh, the events in Montreal and Toronto, the ATP and WTA events respectively. Uh, And it's been a very exciting, intriguing week on both fronts. David and I uh, have been watching from faraway shores in uh, Solihull and London, haven't we, David? We have. And uh, yeah, it's been a really interesting week. Um, we've just seen the finals today. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a lot to talk about. Obviously, we sort of joined the tournament, didn't we, halfway through because it was, uh, it was Wednesday when we did our last uh, tennis podcast. And we had uh, Denis Shapovalov as a talking point. We had Alexander Zverev as a talking point. Those two strands of conversation have continued significantly. And, and here we are just 10 minutes ago, Alexander Zverev beating Roger Federer in the final with a pretty spectacular performance from his side of the court and a pretty worrying looking Roger Federer on his side of the court. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, are we are we going to delve into it? Now, David, that's a big, that's a big old question. I mean, so we are, what, uh, about 20 minutes hence of the men's final in Montreal, Sasha Zverev defeating Roger Federer. And we're about, what, two or three hours hence of the uh, women's final in Toronto, Alina Svitolina defeating Caroline Wozniacki, aren't we? So a little bit more time to digest that one than the... Zverev victory. Which one? Which one would you like to address first, David? Well, given that it's so fresh in the mind and so, I don't know, intriguing that that final between Zverev and, and Federer. I mean, for a start, you could simplistically say that it was. It reminded me of of some of the baton passing type moments of of previous years of Safin smashing through against Sampras in two thousand. Uh, Del Potro belting Federer off the court in the 2009 final at the US Open. This was a similar level performance, I thought, from Zverev. I mean, I've often watched him and and I, I've sort of engaged with the hype and sort of been interested in watching him play as a result of it, but kind of tried to work out what all the fuss was about. You know, he's six foot seven inches tall, but I, he doesn't have... The, the forehand of Del Potro. Six six, he isn't ha- he? Six six. Is he? All right, yeah. six six. He yeah, I know you have- I know you're into uh as as I know tall men are exaggerating their, their height by an inch or two. But I, I well, believe he's six foot six. With him in particular, I, I also like to make sure I'm quite glad you you interrupted and said six six because I quite like to be just that little bit taller <laughs> than these tennis players. So I'm sure when know. I first met you you were six six though. Just like a few years ago, my brother was six foot five, and suddenly he's, I'm six, he's six foot six. Yeah, yeah. I'm still and, and do you remember Ivo Karlovic used to be six ten, and Isna was six nine, <laughs> and then Isna bumped himself up to six ten, and now all of a sudden yeah. Karlovic is six eleven. 
funny well, when that. somebody comes along you know who starts to threaten your level you just you know you just you just add a bit is the way i do it sure. which is kind of what the tennis players do it roger federer's been adding bits to his game hasn't he for years but zverev today and throughout the week actually showed i think why he is such a, a big deal i think this is his fifth title of the year but if you take it back to when he played Richard Gasquet and he was clearly not feeling great out there, neither was Gasquet for that matter. It was a pretty scratchy performance from Zverev. Goes match point down and wins it with a 49-stroke rally where he is just blasting the ball but in a controlled manner. That's what I what I love about watching the guy. He plays powerful, assertive tennis, but he does it in this rhythmical kind of way where it's all under control. There's no, he's not stretching himself. He's playing within himself, and that's what makes him exciting. It's it's like watching a big Djokovic, and that was what he did today against Federer. He made Federer look a little bit like he's looked for a couple of years against Novak Djokovic when Djokovic was at his best. But at the same time, I mean, that's what happened for the first set of the final today. The second set was a non-event because Roger Federer was injured. He, he's got a problem. Well, I, but hang on a second. He didn't suddenly develop that problem in the second set, did he? Look, I, I don't want to take anything away from Sasha Zverev. I, I think in terms of the, the final, I don't think we've learned that much. We knew Zverev was the real deal. I watched a lot of him in Washington last week and I thought, this guy can win the US Open. I now still very much think this guy can win the US Open. I probably thought that before Washington, frankly. I'm just, I, I just feel that even more strongly now. So in terms of sort of take home from that, it, it, it's not like Shapovalov, who will we'll very much come on to in due course. We, we knew. We knew about Zverev and he was awesome today in the final. And it is one of those finals where you don't know how much of how Federer played was about the pressure, the constant pressure he was put under from Zverev, which, as you've described, is sort of Djokovic-esque, but a bit more even. The the sort of consistent pressure is Djokovic-esque, but he's got an additional dimension on top of that and also there's the additional factor of Federer I, I, I don't know we haven't heard from him him yet I'm sure he'll be coming to press in in Montreal any second now he's too sportsmanlike I, th- I think to give away too much about how he is physically and I know speculation has been that the, the physical issue he has is with his back which is very much a sort of chronic ongoing thing rather than a, a an immediate um, recent acute injury um but to to me looked about 75 percent today if I had to if I had to attempt to put a figure on it I would say Federer was at about 75 percent today and in all honesty let's face it he hasn't looked himself quite all week has he he he, he was woeful against Ferrer He, he really was in the third round I think that was he was a lot better against Bautista Agut in the quarterfinals but he's got this incredible record against Bautista Agut he gives him the perfect ball he's like a ball machine for Roger Federer I mean and same for Federer Ferrer rather well I mean exactly but Ferrer gave him a far greater run for his money though I mean Federer really was bad that day I think it was Thursday against Ferrer that was not good from Federer Uh, and that was when the alarm bells started ringing so I think on reflection, I think great that he reached the final. I'd be very surprised if we didn't see a pullout from Cincinnati um, next week. The only possible thing that that could provoke him into staying in the Cincinnati Cincinnati draw is how close he is to retaining to regaining the world number one. Uh, title he's in that tussle with Nadal but Nadal very much in pole position for that and I just don't see that as enough of a a carrot for Federer in his current state um, to enter Cincinnati although the conditions suit him there far better you know he hadn't played in Montreal for for six years and I did feel that he spent the the whole week realizing (laughs) why he hadn't played in Montreal for six years but I've just spent uh, a long time talking about Roger Federer and I probably should have been talking about Sasha Zverev. The only reason I'm not is because Sasha Zverev being the real deal, being amazing, being a Grand Slam contender, 
not news anymore. You know, an, an, e- well, an email came through to me <laughs> from the ATP earlier earlier today. You would have got the same one. You know, we're, we're media media mailing list received an email confirming <laughs> that Alexander Zverev had qualified for the next gen finals in Milan, <laughs> and I just thought, I mean, that's sweet, but so completely by the by now. I mean, he is going to qualify. For London, he is a he is going to be injury aside a top ten, probably top ten, top five player now for the next decade. Probably. I wonder if he'll play both. I know that he can. I would be very, very surprised personally. Mm. Um, I yeah, think he I might show up to both. I I think there might be um, some some pressure on him or some encouragement to him to go to Milan to show his support for the event as the the talisman for it but I I can't personally see him playing in it because he can win London he can absolutely win the world tour finals in London so in his position why would you do anything to jeopardize your perfect preparations for London and I'm not sure playing in Milan would be the best preparations but I think there's a good chance he might go and and um show support for the event yeah I I, a couple of things I think Zverev I I do feel differently even even within this week that that he's shown me something else personally I I think the way he fought his way through that Gasquet match and and it was like that was the moment he he looked a bit sorry for himself throughout that match he looked well you looked like he was going to lose that rally itself you had Gasquet just refusing to give him a bailout ball just making him play every single ball these little forehand slices just dollying the ball over just tempting him come on Alex hit it hard hit it hard a miss come on you know you want to go for the line and he refused to and that seemed to me to encapsulate what he's all about he he's he keeps his composure when he's under the most extreme pressure and to then defeat Shapovalov in front of the young kid's home crowd and then to come out against Federer he he said a quite funny little line in on Sky just now in the interview there they asked him whether he was intimidated against Federer he said well I tried to act like I wasn't and I I don't believe him personally I don't think he was intimidated in the slightest no I didn't believe him either (laughs) I think he comes out thinking he can beat everybody and and that's what makes him such an exciting player. I think from Federer's standpoint, the only reason, the only way he will play Cincinnati, in my opinion, is if he is if this was, say, a back spasm and it passes just in 24 hours and he feels absolutely fine. Unless he's 100%, there's no way, in my view, he will bother playing Cincinnati because, you know, he, he's he's remodelled his whole schedule and career, hasn't he, over the last 12 months to... I'm only going to play when I feel good. What, David, do you think made him play Montreal in the first place, given that probably the the baseline for him was to think, I will play one of Montreal or Cincinnati, because uh, that's what he, he's done in, in recent years, and, and uh, he, he's been even more prudent with his schedule this year and last year than, than, than before that. And he's always played so, so well in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is deemed to have the conditions most similar to the US Open. I know that Cincinnati suits the family really well. They, they've they traditionally always got a house uh, nearby because it's a lot sort of, it's not rural, it is kind of in, in a city, but it's quite easy to just, just rent a big house and have the whole family there. And generally it's just suited him. In every which way, Cincinnati has suited him. So why this year... Did he choose to play Montreal? I think two reasons. One is I do think that the, the number one ranking came into his head. He he suddenly realised, wow, I I really am close here. And why why not? I, I I could I could basically seal it pretty much if I win Montreal. I, I think there was a bit of that. Ha- whoa, I think, uh, whoa, whoa, there. Hang on, no, because he didn't know Nadal was going to lose early to Zverev. No. But what I'm saying is he was going to close the gap even closer so to make it almost a foregone conclusion eventually that he would he would get that number one ranking. And I still think he will at some point, as long as he's fit enough to play these next few weeks at some point. I think there may be a, there's, there's been a bit more about Federer wanting to play events that he's not played before or not played too much before and he hasn't played well, or, a huge amount. Or not won before. 
Yeah, well, is exactly. that it? Is it? About- no, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think. I think it was the number one ranking was what inspired him. But I also, my guess is, even though he, he hasn't really looked that great all tournament, I think when he made the decision to go to Montreal, I don't think he was injured at all. I think at that stage he probably felt great. I'm the Wimbledon champion. I feel fantastic. You know, let's just keep this rolling. And then I think something has happened probably in Montreal. Well, well, well we know point. the back is a sort of chronic, ongoing issue don't but he's not felt it all year no no he hasn't that he has occasional flare-ups of and that he has to manage Mm. it sounds to me like murray's hip issue is the same there does seem to be a bit of a trend for these ongoing chronic conditions developing later in career that that, the the players just have to to find a way to manage um he 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 looked rattled and and irritated didn't he federer and we're guessing as to how much that was rattled and irritated at his body, letting him down, and rattled and irritated at what was coming at him from the other end of the court. I suspect an almost 50-50 mixture of the two, for sure. I mean, the fact that he reached the final, for sure, Roger Federer is so good and so good this year that even a, let's say, 75% fit, not entirely happy, not playing his best Roger Federer, would have beaten almost anybody today Zverev still had to be really really good and he beat Roger Federer comprehensively I mean Sasha Zverev is I mean to say he's the real deal feels completely redundant now you know watching watching his semi-final with with Shapovalov who I'm just I'm so endlessly excited about I feel like I'm going to burst um you know he was the sort of uh boring functional establishment player by comparison wasn't he standing on the court with Shapovalov he was the establishment which is very strange because he's 20 years old and he's you know when he won the title in Rome he was like the the young upstart he wasn't the young upstart this week okay he's young but he's been around for a while now everyone's known about him for a while I know that he is incremental Catherine it's been incremental with Zverev he hasn't just had this extraordinary breakout result the way that Kyrgios did uh, beating Nadal uh, at Wimbledon the way that I mentioned Safin winning the US Open at uh, at age 20 now maybe Zverev will do the same but it hasn't been quite and, and let one thing I would say and the caveat has to be about this he hasn't done it at slams yet this guy has not gone beyond the no, quarterfinals of the Grand not. Slam tournament. and there are parallels so, there with Svitolina who will come on to talk about shortly yeah there are there are for sure, and and, th- and that's you know there was a good debate going on on Twitter as to whether you, you could consider Zverev as the favourite for the U.S. Open. Well, no, you can't, in my view at least. Not it's a best of five set format. This is where it really matters. This is where people peak, and this guy has not got beyond the, the quarterfinals. He lost to Milos Raonic, who was well short of his best at Wimbledon a few weeks ago, and. There's no reason why that might not happen again, because if he runs into a big server or or Marin Cilic or someone like that, Zverev is going to have to play like he did today, because he would have beaten just about anybody today. I think Federer would have had to be at at his best to win today. Agreed. The way Zverev was playing. Or, or, Or close to, yeah, absolutely. Best or close to. And let's not forget, he came into the French Open. You know, he he's as good a clay court player as as hard court player, or certainly as comfortable on the clay as on the hard. And he went into the French Open as the Rome champion, as, you know, Nadal aside, a genuine contender. And he lost first round there. I know it was a horrible draw for Dasco, but... He lost first round, and and that's yeah. the bottom line. So that does put a seed of doubt in our minds. Some of these people, uh, but, but, but are then, best and, of three set and, players, and I, and I'm not going <laughs> to take this comment any further because we're going to buy ourselves a week before we have to 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 try and embark on this topic. But but just broaching the subject of favourites for the U.S. Open is sort of a ridiculous minefield this year. It's well. Today's it, well, results I mean, as well. There aren't any. I mean, yeah, l- let's be honest. I, I though, feel. Catherine. I feel like you know. I could. I could put it. Put in a, a late request for a wild card, and you know, it feels like anything. What, anything favorite? can. Anything can happen. Uh, f- four days ago, though, when we did the, the the last podcast on Wednesday, if we'd have had this discussion, it would have wouldn't have gone further than saying Roger Federer for either one of us, would it? Whoa, whoa, whoa! I would have. I would have put him as the favourite, but. 
not as strong a favourite as I put him for Wimbledon. Not as head and shoulders above everybody else. I, I, but I would have perhaps been struggling for, for strong. I know you really wanted to put Nadal in the same bracket as Federer and perhaps you, 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 you still do, although Federer might now be in a slightly lower bracket than he was a week ago. I mean, it's such a, the, the sands are so shifting beneath us. Um, I, I personally have, have my queries over, over Nadal um, at the US Open at this stage of his career personally. That doesn't mean he won't do it. That I'm not counting him out at all. Just for me... He's not a strong favourite to do anything, but nobody is. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, nobody well, is. I that's mean, definitely true. Zverev, aside from his Grand Slam record, is as close to a favourite for it as, as really any anybody is getting at the moment. But look, I, I didn't mean to open the can of worms because I, I think we need to buy ourselves a week. We need to buy I've, ourselves a Cincinnati week before we properly yeah. have ourselves this discussion. The, 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 the can top back <laughs> Yeah, on. please do. There are other... There are the, Big stories, happenings, moments uh, from Montreal that that we should probably touch upon. Shapovalov is is the biggest. Yeah. Um, Semi finalist victories over Del Potro, Nadal, Manorino. I know in terms of ranking a statue, he doesn't come on into the into the same category as Del Potro and Nadal. However, for me, that victory was was in many ways the most impressive. Coming back from beating Nadal, I did commentary on that match for um for ATP tennis radio and at the start of it I was on with Miles McLaggen and I read him a list of names and I have to say I, I I stole the list of names from student Matt who tweeted this so thank you student Matt uh <laughs> for providing me with some of my ex- good lad, excellent is. research uh, for my commentary I gave him a list of names and I said what do these people have in co- common uh, and uh it, it was that, that they were all fantastic players, but they had all caused huge upsets over Rafael Nadal and they'd lost their next match. You know, Gilles Muller was in there, Fernando Vadasco, Fabio Fanini, Dustin Brown, um, Lucas, Lucas Russell. Russell. Yeah, these guys. Um, it happens, doesn't it? And, and it's not just upsets over Nadal. Typically, when you cause a huge upset, you lose the next match, generally speaking, especially when it's a young player who's inexperienced at dealing with everything that comes with a big victory. So I was so immensely impressed with how he beat Manorino, an incredibly tricky player, a player that requires maturity to beat. That that was what was most impressive, especially as he was absolutely killed in the first set. He was four love down. He looked, He was about to go five five love down he he looked like he was going to lose that first set six, six love and sink without trace and lo and behold he comes back and wins it and and I just I was completely blown away he is as I say he made Sasha Zverev until this week the most exciting young talent on the ATP world tour he made him look boring and pedestrian that that is the explosiveness and the excitement of Denis Shapovalov he has some development to do but 18 and he's not even nearly 19 he only turned 18 in April 18 in modern tennis terms is so young is so so young the days of Boris Becker winning Wimbledon at 17 they're over and just the the prospect of what he will be in two years is mouth-watering for tennis it really continue to develop the way he has burst on the scene over the last 12 months I mean I'd never seen him play until uh, Canada last year when he beat Kyrgios in a match where Kyrgios was throwing in a pretty poor effort and you could see the, the flamboyant talent of the kid but he was <laughs> the difference is extraordinary in 12 months and this week I, I actually see the parallels with with what I talked about with Zverev how how his arc has taken place of of improvement and that match about uh, you mentioned of Manorino I, I do feel that that was almost more significant than the Nadal win because it's so difficult coming back out, backing it up, everybody expecting you to deliver, going four love down against a really clever, difficult opponent. As tricky as they come, definitely. Exactly the guy you don't want to play the day after um, a a victory like he had over Nadal. Exactly the, the guy you don't want to play. In both the Nadal and Manorino matches, I fell asleep after the first set and... In on both Shame occasions, on yeah, you. I know. Uh, and on both occasions, I could not believe that I woke up and found out that he'd won. 
either one of those matches because the way it was going it just seemed so unlikely so you know and then i watched them back after the after the event and he 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 is such an exciting player i i, I tweeted uh darren cahill who was, who was talking about him and saying what an what exciting player he is and i said doesn't doesn't he remind you of somebody you used to coach uh about 15 years ago because talking about agassi no, uh, Leighton Hewitt. And not only does he, I mean, oh. I know he plays very differently to him. Oh, come but on. his look, the, 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 what, the guy. What, just because he's got long blonde hair and a backwards baseball cap? No, they look similar. They react similarly to, to winning points, to situations. Come well, on, David. How, how many more things do you want to have as a comparison? I mean, you know, he was showing incredible guts under difficult conditions. He was yeah, firing himself up do. in the spotlight of all, all the crowd. He looks like him. He's got the back-to-front cap. He's got the long blonde hair. No. He's got the freckles. He looks exactly like him. Put them side by side. Think, Look uh, at the uh, physical reactions after winning points. What, fist pumping? Yeah. That's... Uh, uh. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not denying the comparisons that you're drawing. I just think they could be drawn with with lots of people. I wear a backwards. Yeah, I'm, I, I've got long blonde like? hair, fist bump, and have a, a backwards baseball cap. Post a picture. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, uh, it, the the fact of drawing comparisons is an interesting talking point because I I was struggling. I was struggling to find anyone to to compare him to. He's that explosive. That that and and when I saw him against Nadal, I didn't realize he had the stamina that he had in that match. I didn't realize he had the footwork that he displayed in that match. I didn't realize he had the mental toughness, you know, serving, he was serving second in that oh no he was serving, sorry he was serving first but he faced break points in pretty much every game of that decide, deciding set and it just had the feel of it if, if kind of exactly the match he played uh queens against thomas burdick you know won over everyone in the stadium caused a huge stir would be the talking point regardless of whether he won the match and would it just felt like it was going to be that match again at queens against burdick and it wasn't he won. He was three love down in the deciding set tiebreak. And again, it just had that feel of it. And, and that would have been just fine. A lot of players would have taken that. A lot of players would have taken, I'm 18 years old. I gave this Canadian crowd the time of their lives. I'm still going to be on the telly tonight and tomorrow because I've taken Nadal, my childhood hero, to a deciding set tiebreak. But that wasn't enough for him. He had to win it. And and that is what distinguishes these guys that are going to make it touchwood from from the ones who don't don't quite. Uh, and uh, yeah. if he doesn't make it, then something awful has has intervened and happened because he he is something. He really is something. And and people will people will tune in to watch him play tennis. Absolutely, you 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 cannot take your eyes off off him playing tennis. Yeah, I mean you no, can. I, you I, fell asleep after the first set, but <laughs> others oh, gone. Yeah, well, I, I had I had a, an alarm call about four hours later from my kids waking. That up, doesn't so usually that a, stop you though, David. That that stops me. It doesn't I'm usually stop you. Getting old, this getting grey. I've got to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, I, the other thing is about him is is. There's a lot made of his backhand, understandably so, because of the flourish of it. It's so extravagant, etc. But it's actually the the revelation for me was was how many devastating forehand winners he was hitting against Nadal. He 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 had more, I think more than double the winners on the forehand side than Nadal had. He had over thirty of them, and he yeah, was I mean, just slapping. Them. I agree. I mean, so many revelations. But I mean, yes, I know the backhand has been talked about since that victory over Kyrgios. Uh, in Toronto last year, but he hits single-handed backhand winners with neither foot touching the ground. I know we saw Rios and Safin and Ferrero sort of trademark that jump double-handed backhand winner, but I've never really seen a single-hander do it. Uh, I, I no. mean that—that's no, that's it. I mean it, it's something. To, I would—I wouldn't think it was sort of um, physiologically possible. But apparently it is, and and his willingness 
to approach the net, even though he's his volleys are so unpolished at the, at the moment. But it's all there, you know. He knows the only way I'm going to get better at volleying is to throw myself up to the net and, and, and see what happens. And, and in light of the comments Federer made after Wimbledon about how sad he was that he thought uh, tennis was getting a bit more one-dimensional because young players coming up weren't willing to volley and put themselves in those kind of situations. He's like the antidote to that, isn't he? I mean, everything about him was, uh, I, I'm, as you can tell, I'm in the fan club. I think you are. I am. I'm 100% in the fan club. But I, I think um, the one other thing we need to talk about from Montreal before we move on to talk about uh, Toronto and the WTA event is Nick Kyrgios. Uh, the hotly billed match uh, against Denis Shapovalov, not even the match really, the fact that we saw him competing in a a hotly billed match, a hugely looked forward to match, and he wasn't really physically able to compete. And I'm now struggling to remember the last time I watched him play when he was 100% at his physical best. And I'm sort of thinking, has he ever been at his 100% physical best since, you know, since... In March, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, but in it Indian was Wales brief, wasn't it? I agree. I mean, that match against uh, Federer probably still stands out as my best of the year, but it was a brief spell, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, look, it's it's depressing to to watch him struggle physically and also mentally and emotionally. It's, it is depressing seeing somebody who just can't deliver their best. And it does make me wonder whether he should just call it a year. Uh, I know that sounds uh, you, you, extreme. Uh, you've put that out a lot on, on Twitter and suddenly in tennis, everybody is starting to think that just calling it quits <laughs> halfway through the season is the answer to things. And hey, it might be. It was for Federer. And and, and, it, it, and it has been for Sloane Stevens. That was... Who came out on. fresh and she's reached the semi-finals? Hang, in, hang on, in David. Her, her, she, her, her foot was in a cast. For no, my, no, I'm not saying she deliberately did it. I'm saying that she's come back out, yeah, but, missing hang, the well, sport, yeah, but wishing she was playing it, conflate, and now you're conflating different issues. You're talking no, about somebody taking an active decision that they could carry on playing, but they're deciding not to. No, I'm. I'm not doing. Look, yes, she, Sloane that was Stevens upon her. Sloane Stevens was in, I, was I in a cast. She could not physically she play tennis, but and she would have somebody, been there playing tennis had she not been in a cast. Yeah, looking as though she'd rather be somewhere else. Suddenly, she's had a, a well, period out of the game. That. You don't know. Come that. well, Catherine. I've got four years worth of evidence of it. I've got four years of watching Sloane Stevens looking, frankly, as if she'd rather be somewhere else I, a lot of the time. I, I agree. I, I, it's been great for Sloane Stevens. I'm saying this is a completely different kettle of fish that we're talking about here. I'm saying that if Nick Kyrgios were to take a period out of his out of the game to get his body feeling right, and at the same time to miss the sport and think, yeah, but it depends it what he does in that time, doesn't it? What would he do in that time? Would he hire a proper I, fitness trainer and go know. to the gym every day and start doing Pilates? You know, Murray's been posting so. these because I don't. I don't at the moment believe that he would. If he would, then yeah, maybe. But no, look, I, I may be wrong, but but what I do know is uh, is he's he's pulled out of three tournaments in a row, right? Mid match, he's come into uh, Montreal. He's played three or four games against Alexander Zverev. He's looked like he's hurting, and the the body language goes, and he starts laughing sarcastically at his own inability to play properly because of his body. I don't. And yeah, but okay, but tell me somebody over the age of 25 that wouldn't benefit from a load of time off then coming back fresh. Well, may, may, the season's yeah, too maybe long, that's, isn't it? I mean, that kind of applies no, to everyone. But, that, but isn't that the point I've been making all along over the last few weeks, that, that what happened to Federer, and I know he's not the first player it's ever happened to, he decided to, because of injury, cut his season short. The associated benefit was that he came out up for it, feeling good again physically, got rid of all those little extra injuries and niggles that he'd been suffering from, came out, missed the game, loving it, and goes and does what he's done. Yeah, no, now, that's know, well not documented. Everybody, everybody knows. Yeah, but... and, and I'm saying that Sloane Stevens has, was forced to take a break from the, the circuit, and she's come out looking as though she doesn't want to waste her career. And I'm saying that Nick Kyrgios might benefit from from going away from it all and realising, actually, this is pretty bloody good, isn't it? And hang on, now I feel he, could not miss, okay hang, he could not miss it, though. 
He could not miss it. How do you know? How do you know that he would? I don't, but well, I'm exactly. just saying that's, that's my theory. Uh, I mean, we're, okay, but but I I feel like that theory is just based on the fact that Federer did it, and a you know. No, it is so, not. So who wouldn't, you know, who wouldn't example. benefit from I've it? just said Sloane Stevens benefited from it, albeit not intentionally okay, going off the, who, the circuit. Who over the age of 25 wouldn't benefit from that? The season's too, and, well, and then I, we just I come back know. to the season's too not long. Not everybody's the same, being, are they? Being fresh. Not everybody is this built Okay, the but I feel like you're... Uh, but you're using the evidence of other players to back up your theory and then saying everyone's different. And so... It might work. It might work for Curious, but yeah, what, I'm, t- what I'm saying That's is what I'm saying. just I being a bit stale that. and being mentally sort of unable to cope with the rigors, physical and mental of, of of the tour. You know, just going okay, I'll pack it in for six months. Then it's not really the answer because those physical uh, and mental rigors are still going to be there when you get back. So every year you're going to be someone that only plays six months. Look, he may he, he may have the young. sort of body that, that that never copes with the tennis circuit. He may have that. He may never put in the work that is required in order to physically build up his body to cope with what is required on the circuit. My view is what he's doing right now is not working. Going week to week. Oh, I'd certainly playing, agree with that, yeah. Playing these events, oh, you know, I'll, it's I'll not clock the playing in, the I'll events, play the though, match. David. It's what he's doing off the court. Well, may, maybe that, that may well be the case. I'm just saying... I think he could He's do it going away that much and, tennis. and He's rebooting. losing first round. And, uh, uh, and, you know, it's not the on-court matches that are costing him at the moment. It, it, it's what he's doing off the court, I believe. Exactly. So, yeah, look, my my, my so, six so, months off isn't, isn't just him going and putting his feet up and playing computer games for the yeah, next but if six he months. Doesn't yes, have the, he'd have to do something. But if he doesn't something. have the discipline or, or the mindset or whatever it is, I don't know. And I caveat this with I'm sympathetic with with. Nick Kyrgios potentially not being cut out for the, the mental and physical rigours of of life on tour. Not everybody is. I wouldn't be. It's, it's blooming tough. I, if that's the case, I'm very, very sympathetic. However, we're a tennis podcast. We, we talk about the, the tennis tour and, you know, we have to be frank about these things. And I, I don't believe it's playing the matches that is costing Nick Kyrgios. I think it's the decisions he's making away from the court and I don't disagree with maybe you for maybe they're, they're, they're likely sort of necessitated by his character and personality there are there are positive um upsides to it the fact that he invited people to come and hit with him that's the positive side of it isn't it the fact that he he's unorthodox and can't do it the normal way and can't do the 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 the, the, the grind of it needs to to make it fun and different and interesting though that's the positive side to that the negative side is that He's he's probably not doing the hours of Pilates and stuff that that Andy Murray is doing to to leave no stone unturned to try and get his body desperately fit for the U.S. Open, and, and I'm not sure that would change with a few months off. Look, it might, but I, I'm I'm not I, I'm not hugely convinced. And and if it if it does work, maybe. But I mean, maybe that would just work for everyone. Maybe we all just need to. Maybe tennis just needs to have six months off. No, I don't. Uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. For 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 a second, I'm, 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 I'm watching a guy. I'm being facetious, go, David. I'm watching a guy go week to week and looking as though he can't play a match without feeling injured. Now, I think he needs to go away and reboot and do something about it. I was doing a joke to try and lighten the mood. Okay. You you missed that, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Should we talk about Toronto? Let's do that. Uh, Alina Svitolina won the title, defeating Caroline Wozniacki. That is the sixth final defeat for Wozniacki this year. We'll talk about that in a moment. We should kick off with talking about Alina Svitolina, um, who defeated Simona Halep in the semi-finals. And uh, Chris Everett and Pam Shriver had some pretty harsh words about that match and about Simona Halep in the semi-final. Um, they said, quote, I'm speechless watching this match. It's awful. Never thought I'd see this kind of performance from a top player. That's Ev- uh, Chris Everett and Pam Shriver talking about Halep, who was beaten by Svitolina, went on to win the final today. What What, what are your thoughts on all of it? I, sorry, I've just hit you with all sorts of stuff. I've hit you with Svitolina no, I, being I've brilliant, with Wozniacki it. losing in finals and with Halep being... Well, the Halep thing first—the Halep thing first—I did read those quotes. I I didn't see the match, so it's it's difficult to comment. I know that she played, I think, two matches in a day because of of the rain that took place. And you know, look, she is somebody who's got form as as a player who who at times does not give her best effort and can go through the motions, and and it'd be pretty frustrating to watch. That has happened a lot less recently since that. Um, that moment in in Miami, I think it was with with Darren Cahill when he ended up leaving the camp for a while. Um, so I, I feel a bit uncomfortable commenting because I didn't see the match. Um, the other the other elements to it of of, of Alina Svitolina, she has just it's a very similar curve and arc to to that of Zverev. Okay, Zverev's done it in a, maybe a shorter time frame and because he's he became a, he was a teenager and now he's 20, it, it seems more spectacular, but actually it's very similar. Incrementally those two players have built their rankings and become quietly a massive threat to everybody. And and Svitolina is 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 beating on the regular WTA circuit, she's beating everybody that, that she comes up against more often than not. She's, I think she's won more matches than anybody else this year. She's won more titles than anybody else this year. She's won some big finals as well. And yet there's still this massive question mark over her at the Grand Slams because she is beatable at the Slams. And there's a number of players like that. Pliskova is another one. I know she got to the final of the oh. US Open last year, but she loses too many big matches but, at the slam. I mean I mean I, w- I would agree but aren't there massive parallels to Pliskova this time last year who hadn't done what she ended up doing at the US Open and had never been beyond the third round of a slam up until this point and here she is as the world number one. I agree she still has some more proving to do at slam level that run to the final aside last year but there are parallels there aren't there? There are. I, I think there's a lot of proving to, to be done by these players because they need to win one of these things now. Um, that That's what Kerber did. That's what Muguruza has done twice now as well. And, you know, we go into the US Open eventually and, and, and I still feel, even though Svitolina came back to beat Muguruza from, from, from a set down, 
it's Muguruza I'd be looking to ahead of those other players because she is the big occasion player who's done it at the slams and she is she's got that big game I, I'm I just I don't know whether, whether there's there's something that can help Svitolina reproduce at the slams what she does week to week or is it that when you get to the slams players that you're up against play at a different level that's the other I don't know which one of those two things it is I think it's more about Svitolina than um, than the other factor. I, I can't rule out the other, the other factor as, as having an impact, but I think it's more about Svitolina. I would agree with you about Muguruza. I mean, a Muguruza that's reaching quarters and semis of tour-level events, as she has been doing uh, this week in Toronto and last week in Stanford, that's a Muguruza that will step it up another couple of gears at a grand slam and probably be the favorite again i'm going to defer the uh, who's the favorite discussion for another week but yes she lost to svitolina in the quarterfinal uh, but it was a very competitive match and i'd say for her a player who doesn't tend to do it week in week out the fact that she's reaching semis and quarters is enough going into a slam personally that's how i feel uh yes halep um did play the two matches in a day she beat um caroline uh, garcia in in the first uh, uh, the quarterfinal and then uh, she went on to lose to Svitolina, but um, so did Svitolina play the two matches in one day. She had, and she had played more sets. She beat Muguruza in uh, three sets earlier on in the day in her quarterfinal and then defeated Halep one and one I, I didn't see much of the match either. I must um, hold my hands up. So, it, again, I, I, we can talk about the, the facts of what Everton and Shriver have said and, and how that's been taken um, by viewers and on Twitter and everything, it's been applauded by many as sort of real honesty and heartfelt analysis. And from what I can tell, it's only coming from a period of sort of warmth and desperation for for Halep to fulfil her potential. And losing as great a player as Svitolina is, losing one on one to her uh, in a semi final is is not her potential. And retiring. Um, in the the quarterfinal to Makareva last week in Washington doesn't feel like her potential to me, given that she's kind of the fittest player out there. So I don't know what's going on with Actually, Simona that, Halep. that Washington one was it was quite interesting because uh, somebody criticised Halep for wearing, I think, all black. Well, she wasn't given a match. choice. Adidas have right. not produced a... So it's interesting. So they were giving that their, their, the male players had a white version of that that kit, it, it, it's it's the same kit that Zverev was wear has been wearing um, for this hard court season. It's the black with the yellow trim. It's quite it's got quite a seventies vibe to it. I really like it. Um, but the guys seem to have a light coloured version, and the women don't, as far as I can can gather. Well, down Cahill we, we actually said. You're right in response to that criticism, and and he said we, we've we've made we'll, we'll make sure that does not happen again. We've spoken to to her clothing supplier, and that will not be happening again. She will have an alternative outfit. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I mean that's a pretty basic fundamental thing, isn't it? To um, you don't want to be losing because your kit supplier is giving you something that you're no. you're roasting in. Um, yeah, so so the Halep thing. I don't know. I, uh... I do think she's a bit of an excuse finder. I think she has been over the over the years, and she's still yet to deliver a slam, even though she's so capable of winning one, and she's been in a couple of finals now. I think she'll crack it eventually, personally, especially if she continues listening to Darren Cahill. Um, I, I do think she'll get there. Wasniaki, well, incidentally, very inc- interesting one. Nick Whitaker said to us at Tennis great Podcast... Name. That great she, name, Nick. She, Although yeah. I did see that no on relations. Twitter, I think he's a, a double tier, isn't he? What is he? Di- yeah, he is. He's I a think double that T. is very That's much right. from yeah. a different clan. It's a rival Whitaker clan. Yeah, well, okay, we'll, we'll allow it for now. But anyway, what what we won't allow is what he said here, which is that Whitaker, uh, Whitaker, <laughs> <laughs> she does not go into the US Open as the favourite. How Whitaker does, does not go into the US <laughs> Open in the view as the of Whitaker for anything. Best chance she'll get to win that first slam. Terrific form up um, until the finals. I think that's um, how can I politely? I I think that's nonsense. 
I think she, um, look, I, I, I'm not counting her out. I think she's in. With I think Cunt is much more likely. To yeah, win it she's than her. she's not. There's no way Caroline Wozniacki is a favourite. I mean, aside from anything else, she's lost six finals this year, and that's the that's thing. a lot she, of finals. She, she is. Look, I don't want to be disrespectful in any way. This is a player who just keeps on putting herself out there. She's a great competitor. She's got to six finals. Let's be fair yeah, to she, her. I wouldn't be look. So- I, I, I have endless time for the the tennis that she's playing. I still don't think it it's best in in the world tennis. I mean, no, she and, and Muguruza play their best. Muguruza knocks her off the court, but she's maximizing again, which I have a lot of respect for. Yeah, but, but there is a reason why she hasn't won a slam to this point because, frankly, she does lack that extra gear. And yeah. players produce their best. And it's too much for her. That that's what happens on the bigger stages, and that's what's happened over the course of her career. Yeah, but look, but look, she, she, look, she's she's in a she's in a pack of players who can't be counted out for sure. But I, I think to talk about her as a, as the favourite is um, is a stretch. I mean, to talk about anybody really as a favourite is uh, a bit of a stretch. But again, I'm going to play the the deferral card. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, we've say, got another week. Yeah. We've got another week, and uh, I, 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 goodness knows what's going to happen in that week, David. I mean, Cincinnati. What what an enormous unknown it is on all fronts. Shall I be mean and just ask you to predict winners? <laughs> Shall I do that? I can do that. Uh, Shall I? Who's going to win Cincinnati, David? For the men's and the women's. Oh dear! I know. I'm well, sorry, and I'm I'm fully aware that's an almost impossible task. I, I, I don't I don't see Zverev doing the back to back. Do you? I think he could. Yeah, he could. I really I, was do. Andy Roddick the last to do that? Um, that sounds about right. Andy Roddick, um, two thousand and three, I think. I think he could. Yeah, I mean, look. And then he went on to win the US Open, of course. I think there's only three that have done it. It's Brad Gilbert, it's Andre Agassi, and it's Andy Roddick. I was not expecting you to say Brad Gilbert. I know, I know. I, I'm no, I'm recalling that. that stat from 15 years ago or whatever it was, 14 years ago, because at, at the time that Roddick did that, he was coached by Brad Gilbert. Oh, so right. I remember all the commentators saying, can he emulate what his coach did? But of course, Brad Gilbert then didn't go on to win the US Open. Andy Roddick did turn out to be his own slam. Anyway, um, only slam. Catherine, yes. I think we've only got about a minute left. Can I just tell you something before we go? Is the something a prediction for Cincinnati? Uh, well, I tell you what, I'll go Zverev because, frankly, he does look like the best player in these three set matches at the moment. Well, uh, well, the uh, side, uh, can I... I'd go Svitolina. So you're going to go Zverev <laughs> <Yeah>. and Svitolina? <laughs> Why not? Neck on the block. Uh, will Shapovalov be given a wild card? At the moment, well, he's just... scheduled to play a challenger event next week. Crikey! Yeah, well, he should be, shouldn't he? But I don't, I don't even know if you can. I mean, at the moment, at night. the moment, there is a lot of question marks over whether he'll even get a US Open wildcard. At the moment, he's down to play qualies. Well, obviously, he needs to get a, a US Open. Well, hang on. Most people think he won't because it would mean sacrificing one for a US junior. Would in the same situation would Wimbledon sacrifice a British junior's wildcard? Card, excuse me, for Shapovalov in exactly the same situation. I don't know. It's a big call. I well, I, I want a, him to get a wild one. Card, didn't they? Wimbledon gave him. He a wild was card? the uh, junior champion from the year before, and that's customary. So that's different. I think different. I think after what's just happened, they probably would. Personally. I would hope so, but reading what I've read over the past day or so, it doesn't seem as much of a given uh, as I would have. I hope. Crazy. Yeah, I hope so, David. But doesn't sound like a given to me watch this space okay anyway so those are mine can i tell you my final little thing well i don't know what it is so i'm gonna to have to say yes well, here we and go. cross my uh, fingers gummy boot nine on twitter says that you meaning you and i catherine accompanied this person to the allotment today and helped me clear the weeds of a week's holiday that's how i listen to the tennis gummy boot, allotments have become really trendy in london recently you, you can't get one for love nor money there's like a, a sort of three-year waiting list for an allotment in London. I don't even really know what one is. It's it's a it's a garden that isn't where a, a garden would normally be. It's a garden that's not attached to your house. Oh, I've got a garden. Can I still have an allotment? No, you, you've got a garden, so you don't need an allotment. Oh, oh all right. Then. <laughs> don't be greedy. 
Um, are there any, can I throw you any more curveballs before we wrap up this podcast? You predicted Zverev and Svitolina, so um, nothing interesting there. You're predicting Federer to, <laughs> you're predicting you know. Federer to pull out of Cincinnati? Yes, absolutely. And therefore Nadal to get the number one spot? I am. Will Murray play the US Open? Yes. Because, of course, it, it's this. he's pulled out of Cincinnati this week. Uh, Chilich has also pulled out of Cincinnati. What do Cincinnati. you think? Do you think Murray will play the US Open? Oh, I think it's 50-50 at best at the moment. And that's why I hesitated. I, I think it's really in doubt. I really, I really think, think it's in the balance. I, I, I'm, I can't say better than 50-50, honestly. Um, so, yes or no? I'll go no. If you're going yes, I'll go no. But, uh, right then. gosh, it's going to be interesting, US Open. Oh, by the way, final thing. Do you know how uh, uh, you've been watching athletics all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to introduce uh, it as, uh, hello, and you're listening to the Athletics Podcast, brought to you in association with the tennis and uh, with the yeah, Telegraph Neurosport, because <laughs> it's, I'm, my mind is mostly occupied with athletics. Yes. Yeah, well, my my daughter was watching Usain Bolt. She says, "I, I really like Usain Bolt. He's really cool." She, she's he's, he's, he, she's discovered him at the wrong time. Yeah, well, but she still thinks he's really cool, but not as cool as you, though, Daddy. Right? Is 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 the podcast becoming just a forum for just quoting other people's compliments about us? Well, quoting our family members' compliments about us works for me. Right, it's fine by me. Well, you've right. given me a platform now to to start talking about the athletics. I shed a little tear when uh, Usain Bolt took to the track tonight. Did you? Yeah. It was tough. And and look, I I, I won't go on too much. But the, if this week in athletics has taught us uh, anything, it's that um, there aren't any fairy tales in sport, and um, it, nothing. You can't take anything for granted. And I know that sounds like a massive cliche, but. Um, it just seemed so everybody totally took it for granted that Mo Farah would win double gold and Usain Bolt, even though he hasn't been in great form, would win individual gold in the 100 and would win the relay and neither happened. And for me, as as desperately sad as I found the whole thing, for me, it made me appreciate their greatness even more and made me realise that it wasn't just a foregone conclusion all those years and it wasn't just that they could rock up and win it because they were that much better than everybody. It made me realise how, not that I didn't know, but made me realise on a really gut level um, how much it took and how much of of it not being a given that it was all those years, that, that they're great and I think that applies across the board in sport to to Djokovic you know his his um downfall over the past year or so for me puts into perspective what he did uh, for those few years and the fact that he held all the slams at the same time you know Federer's years in the wilderness we've now gone gone to sort of taking him for granted again haven't we but for a while there his years in the wilderness or relative wilderness made us it put him to perspective everything that he get, did same goes for Nadal and and um I think you you get the point and, and I've been able to to mention Usain Bolt so I'm happy yeah, well, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I do think we take these people for granted because I think it's so they make it look so easy. We don't. That's see the problem, the isn't it? It's too easy to just write them off. It and you've brought it up before. I was totally guilty of it with Roger Federer a decade ago, and you took me to task on it when we first met. And I just said, "Oh, it's too easy for him. He makes it look too easy. I can't relate to that." And and you tried to explain to me that he is a human being <laughs> and uh, it's not too easy for him. He's he's made it look easy, but that's through immense hard work. And uh, I get it now. I didn't then. Um, Was that Catherine Whittaker admitting she's wrong? Yeah, not... Yes. Yes. I'm wrong all the blooming time, David. Don't, don't make that the narrative. I'm... <laughs> that's... I mean, this... Yeah, that's what people tune into the podcast for, to listen to us getting things wrong. Definitely to listen to your daughter getting things wrong. Um, David Law in Being Cooler Than Usain Bolt, shocker, said no one ever. Um, This has been the Tennis Podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. We'll be back next week for our final uh, podcast before our string of US Open daily podcasts begins. We will have no choice but to give you US Open predictions uh, at some point in the near future, but uh, not for the next week. So please, thanks for listening and uh, join us in a week. 